We love sharing news from our sponsor, Healing Inside Acupuncture and Holistic Medicine on Grand Avenue in St. Paul, Minnesota. Owner Senya May and her team of practitioners are here to help you, especially when it comes to the health concerns that are unique to us women. At Healing Insight, women's health is a huge priority. They're helping women who think they just have to live with things like painful periods, PMS and PMDD, endometriosis and fibroids. Women like Beth, who shared this testimonial, she said, I had such bad cramps that I was suffering with PMS for three weeks out of the month, and my moods were all over the place. The practitioners at Healing Insight worked their magic with acupuncture and herbs. I feel like a much better version of myself again. Senya says many of her patients are like Beth, who think being on the birth control permanently is the only way to solve their hormonal issues. And Senya says that's just not true. Healing Insight's holistic approach can rebalance your hormones naturally, so you're not struggling with your cycle every month. And Healing Insight practitioner Nikki Ballian was also just officially certified as a fertility specialist by the American Board of Oriental Reproductive Medicine. She's one of only nine practitioners to have this certification in the whole state of Minnesota. Listen to the episodes of Best of the Nest featuring Senya, number 25, simply titled Anxiety, and episode 113, where we talk about coping with the COVID-19 global pandemic. Visit HealingInsightOnline.com. That's HealingInsightOnline.com to find out more about Senya and her team. I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Punnett. And this is Best to the Nest, the podcast that is all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. And I love today's topic, Marjorie. <laughs> Two words, my friend. Are you ready for it? Ready. Guilty pleasure. Gotta have guilty them. pleasure. Do you have them? Do you love them? And should we even be labeling anything a guilty pleasure at all? So our guest today has a very firm view on the idea of guilty <laughs> pleasures, and I can't wait to get into it with her. That being said, I think we can easily kind of start and define a guilty pleasure as something that is neither nourishing to body, mind, or soul. <laughs> it's probably would be considered by society as trashy or junk. Junkie, right. And yet we consume it anyway, generally in the darkness while we're alone <laughs> in the privacy of our own homes. And then we judge ourselves for doing it with a um, little with a little hint of shame in there. With, there's got to be like shame. I would say like a solid half a cup of shame goes yeah, into the recipe go. for this. So when you think about guilty pleasures, Marjorie, what things come to mind in your life? That maybe are things you find enjoyable, but you know really aren't that good for you. Well, I, I got a long list here. I'll start with Naked and Afraid on television. That's my TV guilty pleasure for sure. Um, it's the one show I don't multitask through because you don't want to miss a moment of Naked and Afraid. And then also on my list are party dresses. I have more party – for somebody who's an introvert and doesn't yeah. really go to parties. You don't go to parties. I, I don't go to parties. I love a good – and I certainly don't go to parties where there are super dressy people around all the time. <laughs> I have like a great cocktail dress wardrobe, like I'm living in the 50s. It's definitely – and I'll just put them on sometimes, try them on, feel that's good fun. in them, yeah. and then hang them back up. But that seems a little odd. That's a guilty pleasure. Instagram. Scrolling through endlessly, I think at a certain point, an hour in, that's a guilty pleasure. Ugh. Okay, Elizabeth, this one, you are going to meet me in a little town called Wamego, Wamego, Kansas. There's a little, there's a little restaurant there called Cream Cup where they do broasted chicken. Nice. That is my first stop 
every time I go back to Kansas. It's fantastic. <laughs> the Dorito uh, taco at Taco Bell. Got to okay. have that. Fair. Uh, whiskey. And any good, really expensive drink at a bar. How about you? Mine is probably The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. It used to be Bravo shows. It used to be Real Housewives that I would watch it. And my husband would go, I can't believe that you're watching this. And then... Are you still watching it? Oh, no. I fell out of love with those a long time ago. But But Bachelor and Bachelorette, still total guilty pleasure. Anything sugary, like if we have ice cream in our house or some sort of cake, I know that it's like I will think about it. And then I just eat it so I don't have to think about it again. Hey, if it's gone, then I won't have to think about it anymore. That's a sick, twisted view to look at food, and I'm just admitting it here because this is a safe space. (laughs) Um, Those are probably, like, my big things that I would go, you feel... What I think about it is when you consume it, maybe it's fun and fine at the time, but then you don't feel that great afterwards. So that would maybe be how the guilty pleasure thing works. Right, right. Um, Our guest today, though, thinks that maybe we shouldn't look at anything as a guilty pleasure. And what happens to us when we label things as guilty pleasures? So Sarah Von Bargen is the creator of yesandyes.org. We love Sarah. She's been on Best to the Nest before. And her website and her Instagram feed and her speaking and her teaching all has to do with spending your time, your money, and your energy on purpose. So all of these are finite resources. And so how can we manage? maximize time, money, and energy, get the most out of those currencies, and then really live a joyful and fulfilled life. And that's why I love Sarah so much, and I love everything she has to say. And you're never going to feel like it's a guilty pleasure to scroll her Instagram feed, Marjorie, because it's so good. Sarah, we are happy that you're here. Well, thank you so much hey, for Sarah. me. As you know, this is something that I have I have some feelings about it, and I would like to talk about them. <laughs> Oh, I'm so glad (laughs) you've come to the right place to talk about your feelings. This is what we do here. We share about them. So, okay, let's talk about this guilty pleasure idea. And I think it was something that you posted several months ago, Sarah, that had me message you and say, oh, my gosh, this is a topic for Best of the Nest. We have to talk about this, where you come out strongly saying that guilty pleasures are just – it's not good to look at indulgences that way. So what do you think of when you think of a guilty pleasure? I think of a lot of the same stuff that you guys mentioned. It's stuff that is labeled frivolous, that's not 100% virtuous, that's not 100 – like nobody's going to say that kale is a is a guilty pleasure. No. People will tell you that pizza rolls are a guilty pleasure. But I think for me, what I hear a lot more, and usually when, when I hear it – Truly, I have never heard a single man refer to anything as a guilty pleasure. Yeah, and, yeah. and 90% of the time, when I hear women refer to things as guilty pleasures, it's usually in the realm of books, media, TV shows, movies that we feel guilty about. And we usually preface it with, by saying something like, Oh, my, I mean, I know it's just silly. Like, Oh, I know it's, I know it's terrible, but I love blah, blah, blah. And and usually it's something like Hallmark movies or People magazine or <laughs> insert pop musician here. And again, I have never heard a single man be like, oh, wow, I feel like James Patterson books, guilty pleasure, like James Bond movies, guilty pleasure. I've never heard a single man say that. And I, I know, think that it truly really does a disservice to all of us to believe that the only things that we're allowed to consume are 
extremely intellectual, extremely emotionally and intellectually challenging. And if it's anything other than that, somehow we need to feel bad about it. And I think it's especially unproductive to have that mindset when we are living through a pandemic and (laughs) civil rights movement. Like, right. And, and so not only it does a disservice to ourselves to create these unrealistic expectations on our brains and also like what happens, like, what if I say, Oh my gosh, Taylor Swift is my guilty pleasure. And I say that to you and you don't think Taylor Swift is a guilty pleasure. You think Taylor Swift is an amazing songwriter. And now I've inadvertently made you feel bad about something that you truly care about. And you thought, great. Now that's really an interesting turn. Because I think when you say that, that's really interesting. Because when you say that, you're saying that there's something to be ashamed of in liking it. Yeah, totally. Totally. That's 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 the nail on the head, Marjorie. And I think, too, I think so many times for me, Sarah, guilty pleasure was tied to time. Mm. So if I was going to go out shopping for a dress... It was a guilty pleasure because I was taking two or three hours on a Saturday away from my kids when I could have been doing something with them. And I think women do that a lot as well. Mm-hmm. It's 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 time away. If I'm going to watch the show and I'm going to really enjoy the show, well, maybe I should do the dishes at the same time or clean oh. the kitchen at the same time yes. so that I'm not really wasting time as opposed to just sitting and enjoying it. Yeah. And like and I know we all know this, but like. You are allowed to do things for yourself. You are allowed to do things that you enjoy. You are allowed to do things that benefit no one. They're just for fun. (laughs) And when we constantly deny ourselves, when we constantly put everybody else first, when we never allow ourselves to indulge in things, what ends up happening, like that is not sustainable. And if you deny, if you consistently deny yourself from watching the fun TV show, reading the fun novel, listening to the pop music, eating some cake. When you constantly deny yourself, all that ends up happening is you end up falling off the wagon and making a series of of unhealthy choices. And if you had allowed yourself to do some lovely, fun, nurturing things throughout the week that like fall off the wagon and do a bunch of stuff that wasn't that great is not going to happen. So if you like yeah. let yourself watch Naked and Afraid and then on Wednesday you go to the bakery and have a donut and then on Friday you order like one expensive cocktail, you're much less likely to have Saturday and Sunday where you're spending four hours watching Netflix and two hours on Instagram and somehow right. spent $300 on party dresses. Right. <laughs> this is so true, Sarah. It's so good. I mean, I really have little tolerance for guilt and shame in general. Mm-hmm. I try, I find them to be mostly toxic. I mean, I say guilt is really about like if you have murdered yeah. someone, yeah. then you are really allowed and I think it'd probably be good for you to experience a lot of guilt. Yes. That being said, when it comes to eating a donut, why, whoa, why are you feeling guilt about that? Associating guilt with food mm-hmm. is so the worst thing. I don't think any good comes from it. I don't think it's ever made anyone healthier no. or live longer. Do you think so? Oh, well, I mean, like, there's, there is the occasional situation where, like, oh, if you're lactose intolerant, Stop eating cheese. <laughs> I think most of the time what we're talking about is we've been socialized to believe that it's moral to be as small as possible. And when yeah. someone is as small as possible, they are somehow better than us in any variety of ways. And therefore, when you eat things 
that prevent you from being as small as possible, you need to feel bad about it. Yes. Yes. You're so right. And then consuming the media too. So what do you think about in, in terms of how do we look at these sort of indulgences? Because they are, they're pleasurable things in life. Yeah. It is a weird, like, it's this weird pious mentality of like, I must deny myself all pleasure in order to really truly experience life. I mean, does that come from like the monks or the Catholics? Like what's happening? I mean, I think a lot of it is honestly like not to get all like down with patriarchy, but also down with the patriarchy. Like American society benefits when women prioritize people other than themselves. It's much it's society runs a lot better when women are constantly spending money on diets and exclusively taking care of children. Like Mm -hmm. it's a revolutionary act to care about your own needs and occasionally put them first and not be completely obsessed with being a size three. Like it's sad that we're there, but it is truly a revolutionary act to, to like yourself and occasionally put your needs first. I think that's an inter- again, that's a really big thing you're saying about that, that this somehow ties back to patriarchy. And I'm probably older than both of you, so I have a little bit more history in terms of women's movements. I mean, I'm not that much older, but I, mean, <laughs> I know what he's saying. I'm 145, but- <laughs> so. <laughs> but I, I really think that this is a time for women to really think about what the past was, but what the future can be. And that for a long time, we have the freedom to go out into the workforce. We have the freedom to make the choices that we want that we didn't have for a long time. Mm -hmm. In the 50s, if you got pregnant or you got married, you were expected to stop working. Mm -hmm. You were not welcome in the workplace really anymore. There were women that defied that. That's no longer true. Elizabeth, we can talk about maternity leave. I know that's a bad thing. (laughs) I'll get into that at any time. But you you do have those two words and you launch me. You do have the freedom to go back to work. And I think what we have to do as women, and this is why this seems like a, you know, just to talk about guilty pleasures or indulgences seems like it could be a very shallow topic. But Sarah, you've made it a very real, very important topic. And I think for women, we have to look at what the history of women is, what our opportunities are now, and take that. Because there has to be a time where it's not the patriarchy anymore. It's our choice. And I think that is what makes us equal, is that we can begin to act as if the choices we make are our choices. And this is where it gets hard for women. That means, who are you choosing to marry? Who are you choosing to partner with? Who is the man that's going to take half the responsibility of raising those children? Mm -hmm. And if you choose a man that chooses not to do that, you've made that choice. And I think sometimes that's hard for women to, to sort of get wrap their head around that if you're unhappy in your marriage, you do have the choice to leave. And these are these are things that are really hard for us, I think, as women to understand that now that we have freedom, I don't think we have equality because we don't have equal pay. We don't have a lot of those things yet. But you have to go forth carefully if you're a young 20 something. If you don't want a patriarch to be making decisions for you, you have to be very careful about the men you let in your life. Yeah, that's, Sorry, yeah, no, that's no, my there's, a, there's a study out of 
it's like an, a well-documented study of something like how for women, the partner you choose to raise children with is I think the, like the single biggest contributor to your career success. Oh, for sure. For 100%. sure. When you're talking about this, Marjorie, what I keep thinking is, yes, we have the freedom to make the choice. But the difference between making the choice as a woman and making the choice as a man is the choices come at a greater cost if you're a woman than if you're a man. And that's just the bottom line still about a patriarchal society that, great, okay, so my mom evolved. When she went to college, the only options were to become a nurse or a teacher. That was 100%. Those were her. She has an education degree for that reason. As things evolved and she got into her own career and all of that, she had the the choices, but it didn't mean that she didn't still do so much at home. And my dad was like a a real contributor at our household. But even still today, do I feel more of a weight when I think about my children going to school this fall and trying to figure out distance learning in 90% of households, heterosexual marriages is the woman feeling more of the weight of how are we going to tackle this distance learning than the man? Absolutely. Like there's no, I mean, and I'm not saying my husband isn't thinking about it or worried about it because I know that he is, but I know that that weight that I'm carrying around of like, I've got a newborn coming and a job and I'm going to have to teach my child kindergarten. Like how, how, where the stress level is just different on men. I mean, we, we put so much guilt on ourselves and, and we also are receiving it from societal messages. I mean, it's definitely a combination of the two. But, but this is, but this is where this discussion becomes so important is as you start to untangle what you're actually feeling, what is your responsibility, what are the husband's responsibilities, how do you communicate that? That's where that's where the fight still exists, Elizabeth. Like mm-hmm. I think you're exactly right. It still is so complicated and more complicated for women, without a doubt. And in so many ways, that's where I think sort of the next generation's fight is in terms of how do women truly become equal? And we become equal when we're equal in our relationships. We become equal when we're equal at work. Is your generation there yet? No. Is the next generation going to be there? Maybe not. But I think that's 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 where it gets so complicated. And I think for me, I took time off from working when my kids were little. And that came with a huge feeling of vulnerability and a bit of guilt. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not contributing. I'm not contributing financially. I was lucky enough to be married to a partner who said, no, you're doing the other half of our job in life. Yeah. Go be, do great. And then the minute I wanted to go back to work, he was like, okay, how are we going to make that work? And I was really lucky I because I would be lying if I said I knew that he was going to be that kind of man. I knew he was a good man. Did I know that he was going to be someone that was so concerned about my whole growth? I did not know that. Yeah, that's, I, I mean, that's important. And sometimes feel, you don't know until you get into it. You don't. And, and I think that that's what, I think that's how as women, when we want to take control of our lives, and I'm really speaking to like really young women, that's how you get to take control of your life is try and pick well. If you want a career, Elizabeth, you and I have talked about this, is you got to talk about those things before you get married. I was lucky. And I know that I was just lucky. I wasn't smart enough to talk about all those things. And I'm headstrong. And so maybe I just wore him down too. Because, <laughs> but I, but I think that this goes back to that idea of, of indulgences. Having a career 
being able to fight for a career is not a guilty pleasure or an indulgence. It is how we stay safe if our husbands leave us or we need to leave our husbands. It's how we can take care of our families. So all of those things are so important. But Elizabeth, to your point, yeah, you're still going to feel all that stress. I don't know how to untangle all that. It's just sitting there. Here's how you deal with the stress. You just watch a little Bachelorette. Thank God it's coming back this fall. For the love of all that's holy, I've been like, when is this show coming back? Okay. Hi, Nesters. We take a moment to pause and share some really valuable information from our sponsor, Exercise 180. When you become a member of Annalisha Nimala's Exercise 180 online community, one amazing thing you gain access to is Annalisha's E180 digital course. Christina from St. Paul says this about her experience of going through the course. Annalisha's Exercise 180 course will help you rediscover what matters to you and how you hold the keys to your health, happiness, and destiny. It will help you start living a healthier, happier, more inspired life now. It is so far apart from where typical health programs go. It's like she's light years into the future. Please, please, if you have a daughter, niece, cousin, or anyone in your life, including yourself, who struggles with body positivity and health issues, you cannot do yourself a better service than to go through the Exercise 180 course. It's probably the best thing I did for myself in 10 years or more. I would absolutely recommend the course to others. It's life-changing and life-affirming. It's far exceeded my expectations. It was so much better than I imagined it would be. Boy, how's that for a good review? Right now, you can take advantage of an exclusive E180 coupon code just for best to the Nest listeners. Go to exercise180.com forward slash join dash now and use the code BTTN in all caps at checkout to save $100 on your E180 membership. But you got to hurry. This code is only valid through September 7th, 2020. Again, that's exercise180.com slash join dash now. And go back to episodes 92 and 143 of Best to the Nest to get a taste of Annalisha's groundbreaking philosophies on healthy living. I want to talk to about getting back to the guilty pleasure specifically, Sarah. So sometimes though, there are things that we're like indulging in guilty, something that we would label as a guilty pleasure, but we're not labeling it as that, Mm -hmm. that we do feel worse than before we indulge. So, so like, for example, me with sugar, right? If there is like a cake around and I am looking at the cake and thinking about the cake and then I'm like, okay, now I'm two and a half pieces in and then I really don't want to feel guilty about it, but I don't feel good either. How do you kind of reconcile those two and and try to be more intentional about what you are experiencing as pleasure? Um, So a good question that I think is important to ask ourselves when we are in the midst of those things is, is this numbing or is this nourishing? Um, ah, oh, that's a good because, question. Like, let's be real. There's a point of diminishing returns on Netflix. Like, <laughs> like one episode, so current quote unquote guilty pleasure, not calling it that. I know other people mm-hmm. want me to call it that, not that. Uh, Chesapeake Shores. It's on Amazon. It's a Hallmark. Oh, the big city girl back to her small town, her <laughs> high school boyfriend. He's a carpenter, et cetera. Um, And he's super hot. But watching one episode, one hour-long episode, my phone's in another room. I've made myself, like, a nice drink. I'm cuddling with the dog. I'm watching the show on purpose. That's nourishing. Four episodes where I'm also scrolling my phone, and I'm also, like, clicking between things. Now we're just numbing out, and there's a point of diminishing returns. And that's the same with, like, 
one serving of pizza rolls versus the entire bag of pizza rolls. 20 minutes on Instagram versus an hour and a half. So I think just acknowledging to yourself that there is a point of diminishing returns and also checking in with yourself, like, have we crossed that? Am I just numbing out now? I think understanding that about yourself and knowing that there's going to come a point in whatever it is that you're doing that, like, it's not really helping anymore. Okay, this is so good. That's so true. It's the enjoyment of it. Is it nourishing or is it numbing? And when you are approaching that line, being like, okay, it's time to move on. But but when you're approaching the line in your mid-bite, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of hard to like yes. back up from the line. So are you going into it <laughs> with that sort of like self-limit of understanding? Hey, I, I've recognized that an hour of this feels good, four doesn't. So yeah. I, this is how I'm going to go into it. Well, I think, and one of the things I talk about, I actually mentioned this on my Instagram stories yesterday, is like we all human beings, and this is like documented by neurologists, psychologists, we have a limited amount of self-control that we can exert during a given day. And we also have a limited amount of decision-making that we can exert during yes. a given day. And we've all witnessed this in our own lives because at 8 p.m. the wheels fall off the bus and, we're, and it's just a yes. with everything. But so I don't want any of us to start out the day on Netflix or to start off the day with whatever food we know doesn't serve us or to start off the day stalking our exes on Instagram. So one of the easiest things you can do is put a hurdle in between you and the thing that you know has the potential to turn into numbing behavior. So Mm -hmm. for the example I gave this, you think I'm exaggerating. I'm not left my own devices. I would literally eat hundreds of dollars worth of fresh mozzarella. Like, one of those balls is like five dollars. If it was yeah. in the house, I would eat it like an apple every day. I'm not kidding. Oh my uh, god! So that's hundreds of dollars, and my body, my digestive system, oh. is not appreciative of that behavior. Um, and so I have a CSA share, and every week they give me seventy five tomatoes, and I and I love like we all love the tomato cheese basil olive oil salad. Bring on the caprese girl. Yeah. Yes, but if I keep the mozzarella, the fresh mozzarella in my house to make caprese salad, I will just eat it. So I started making my salad with feta because nobody wants to eat a block of feta because it's too wonderful. So I don't tell myself that I, quote unquote, can't have fresh mozzarella. I don't tell myself that fresh mozzarella is a, quote unquote, guilty pleasure. I can have as much fresh mozzarella as I want to, but I have to walk 15 minutes to Oxendale's to buy my fresh mozzarella and then I buy one. And then I walk 15 minutes back. And obviously I do that like once every two weeks instead of every day, every day, all of it. It's so good. Sarah, this is so good. It made me think so much of Michael Pollan, who of course is the prolific food writer and the author of The Omnivore's Dilemma, which is a really life-changing book for Mm -hmm. a lot of people. And in his little teeny tiny book where he just kind of gives you like the nuts and bolts of, of really positive ways to look at food in our food system. He talks about French fries, like that he loves French fries. And I mean, who doesn't love French fries? They're hot and crispy and fatty and starchy. It's like the greatest thing in the world. Salty. Um, Mm. But what he's done is done that same thing where the hurdle that he's put between himself and the French fries, because he knows himself. And if he goes and gets French fries every day, like how is he going to feel? And it's not great. And he doesn't have a lot of self-control with the French fries is that he has to make the French fries himself from fresh Whoa. potatoes. So, so he has to, 
You're yeah, totally right. Hurdle. He has to get out the oil. He has Ugh. to heat it up to the right temperature. He has to cut up the fries. He has to put them in there. He has to watch them. He has to whatever. So this act of creating the french fries doesn't mean that he's not doing it, but you're exactly right, Sarah. He's doing it once every few months, not once every day, yeah. which is where he would be with french fries. And he's in his car with french fries yeah. as Sarah's standing in front yeah. of the fridge with a fresh ball yeah. of mozzarella but, in her yeah. mouth. But I think what's, what I think is so cool is language. And I think yeah. that's so helpful to have the language to ask yourself that question. Because so many of the decisions I think we make, Sarah, are mindless. Oh, yeah. And we're not thinking about what we're actually doing. And to numbing. just have the simple question, is this numbing or is it nourishing, is a great place to start. It's just a great place to start. When you look at a piece of cake, is that going to be numbing or nourishing? One piece is going to be pretty nourishing. But I think if you're asking that question throughout the day, that's kind of a cool thing because at the end of the day, if you're thinking, I did these things that nourished Mm -hmm. me today. I love that. I mean, I just think language is so powerful in that way. And having the habit of asking yourselves those questions that's that's wonderful. And Marjorie, even being able to look back at the day and kind of take a little inventory mm-hmm. and go, what did I do that nourished me today? What yep. did I do that numbed me today? I don't know. I could almost see like making a physical little list oh. uh, for the first week or so as you kind of get into that I love habit. That. Okay. I don't know if Sarah recommends um, that. You yes, probably do. Okay. So hear this because we're on camera. I'm literally going to show you. Okay. So I'm recording at my desk. This is literally my my list. I have a two-part list that is literally called Things That Make Me Happy. And these are all things that I can usually, like, it's not like going to France. It's something like eating a meal next to a body of water. I live near Minnehaha Creek. I can literally just walk a block and sit next to the water. Giving myself a manicure. It costs zero dollars. It takes 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. So I I have a literal list of, of things that I know nourish me. And then if we want to get really granular and nerdy. <laughs> Do it, girl. Go there. Um, so the part of our brain that makes decisions, long-term decisions, is different than the part of our brain that makes decisions in the moment. Oh, that makes sense. And the part of our brain that makes long-term decisions has the, our best interest at heart. And our in-the-moment brain is our toddler brain. We've all witnessed this. It's the part of our brain mm-hmm. that's like, I want seven pieces of cake, and I need to watch four hours of Netflix, and I don't care that I have, you know, a project I need to complete. So every Sunday night, I plan, I fill out my Google Calendar for the coming week because I can trust my Sunday brain to make good choices. I cannot trust... Your Sunday brain. I love yes, that. Because my Sunday brain makes good choices. If I get my Wednesday brain to make choices about Wednesday afternoon, it's not going to work out. Um, but so, and when I'm looking at my calendar, because I am kind of a workaholic, I literally plan probably three or four things into my week um, that I know will nourish me. Because if I don't mm-hmm. plan them, they won't happen. And then I'll get to the weekend and then it's like a Netflix bonanza of pasta and Instagram scrolling. Yeah. Yep. So I plan the fun things. I, I literally put them in green. I put them in my Google calendar and I categorize, I color code them green so I can look at the whole week and see that I have fun things. Yeah. At different times of the day. That's the other thing too. Yes. You don't only plan things in the evenings yeah. when it's like, 
your reward for doing something yeah. else. Sometimes, Sarah, your fun yeah. things are the first thing in the morning. Yes, because it makes me feel really smug about my life choices. That like, <laughs> I life. like yesterday, I met a friend at the at the Minneapolis Sculpture Garden at 11 a.m. and I was like, "It's Thursday. It's 11. I'm at the Sculpture Garden. I do what I want. It costs zero <laughs> It costs zero dollars. It was." Uh, really nice to like, walk around the garden and catch up with my friend and look at all the sculptures. So I plan in the fun and when possible, I include somebody else in it because the other thing is I know myself well enough to know that I will quote unquote, get too busy to mm -hmm. do the nice thing that I told myself I was going to do. So if possible, I include other people in it because I'm not going to back out. So like if I invite Elizabeth to go to the Longfellow flower garden and then I'll like literally invite her in the Google invite because now there's, uh, there's no way I'm going to bail on that. So, no, you can't right. bail. So, right. Or like if I'm getting a pedicure, I like call and schedule the appointment. Cause obviously I'm not going to back out on that. Right. And, Which we do live very close to each other, Sarah. We yes, should be hanging. I mean, it's like long, so. just a yes. couple miles away. Yes. We totally should. Um, I love that idea yeah. though. And I love that concept because Again, it's about scheduling in the fun. It's the same thing. It's that same concept of just like enjoying some dark chocolate every day yes. and enjoying it and never feeling guilty about it prevents you from like when you're at a birthday party and there's a treat there just being like housing it or in a low moment. It's the numbing ver versus the nourishing and it's appreciating and enjoying pleasures in life versus labeling them something to feel guilty about. Yeah. Well, I think we all know, too, that the more you feel that you're being self-sacrificing or that you can't in some times feel smug about your life or you can't have that sense of gratitude, it will pile up on you yes. and it will affect your family. Mm -hmm. I mean, that sort of low-grade resentment that begins if you feel like you're not getting a little bit of something special – we all know – we talk about this a lot, Elizabeth. It's going to squish out mm -hmm. whether you lose your temper, whether you begun, you have a stupid fight with your husband because you feel resentful but you're not articulating it. So just that idea, I love visualizing your calendar with the little green spots in yeah. it because yeah. I think that's how you go through life feeling like I've got my life under control. Mm -hmm. I, I would actually like to see a study of how many – what percentage of our lives do we live using our toddler brain? Oh, God, like all of it. I So I actually <laughs> I teach a, a class on habit change. And this yeah. obviously it varies from person to person. But on the right. absolute lowest end of the spectrum, 40% of the decisions we make every day are habitualized. We don't even realize that we're making oh. them. And it can be up to 80% depending on the person and like the reality of your brain and your life. And so oh, that's how you start to attack the – okay, next episode, Sarah's on. We need to talk about habit change. I do – you know, I think yes. is when you go back to – because we've, we've really run the gamut here in this conversation of yes. like really the bachelorette to the patriarchy to all of the heavy <laughs> things. But, you know, they are all interrelated and we've been – we have been given messages for generations that being a good, nice woman means self-sacrifice, means being completely pure – means being very small and means being agreeable and doing everything in your power to make everyone around you comfortable except yourself. And so when Sarah gets fired up about guilty pleasures, it's not because she's like just trying to take a stance against a term. It is a really prime example 
of how we break ourselves down as women and how we've been told to break ourselves down. And so if you can remove that, think about, again, it's all about just connection and freedom is what we're trying to accomplish here. And that's why Sarah's post resonated with me so much and had me thinking about it for months and going, we have to talk about this. Sarah, we love you so much. You're such a breath of fresh air. And it's just been so great to have you here. So, I, and I'm just pumped about the Bachelorette coming back. <laughs> Sarah, you're doing great work. Oh, this thank is great you work. so much. It was so lovely to chat with y'all. We love chatting wonderful. with Sarah, and we'll post, um, of course, yesandyes.org is her blog. We'll post links to it. It'll be in the show notes. Um, but check out all of the classes that she offers. That Habit Change one is just a, one example of many involving your time, your money, and your energy. And if it's just every conversation with Sarah, whether it's five minutes or five hours, is enlightening and helpful. So we appreciate Thank you. you. Thank you, Sarah. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. We have Fit to the Core Mama this morning. I like this. She says, a must listen to podcast for mothers with young children. She says, as a mother of a 22-month-old and a four-year-old, I cannot get enough of your podcast. They make me laugh. They make me cry. And more importantly, they validate everything I'm feeling and experiencing right now and make me realize I am not alone. I love this one because you are not alone. We no. are right there with you. This motherhood journey is so amazing and also so challenging. I truly look forward to Tuesdays and Thursdays and wish I could listen to you every day of the week. Oh, man. Best to the nest. Five Five days a week. Maybe that'll be our five-year plan, Marjorie. We'll <laughs> see. <right>. I like <laughs> it. Fit to the core, Mama. Thank you for listening. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best to the Nest or go to besttothenest.com to subscribe to our newsletter. We are the podcast that brings you home. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.